Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hang On To Your Hat, episode 18, and we are so chuffed to have Chris Hoare in the studio today, who's a drummer, a plumber, and a father of two. Bad Daddy, you're a naughty boy. These days, fatherhood is everywhere. You can't get away from it. Not the blokes haven't tried. If you're not a father, you've got a father. You're a son of a dad or a daughter of a bloke. But either way, being a dad is no picnic. The fear, the anger, the confusion and, well, the love, of course. (laughs) Derek Myers and Dan Lee, together with their special guests, are here to share the highs and lows, the joys and the agony of being a modern dad. But most of all, to let you know that you're not alone. Today in the studio, I've got a very special guest, Chris Hoare. Now, the the reason I want him on the show is in three parts. Number one, he came on our What Now show back in the day. We I ambushed him and we had a great chat and he was good on the mics. And for a drummer, he was very eloquent. <laughs> and secondly, he's a father of two which instantly qualifies. In fact, you're even qualified if you're not. Um, but I, I wanted to get him in also for a chat about his youth work. So Chris started off plumbing and went into do good doing, do-gooding, <laughs> and became a, uh, a youth worker and obviously is exposed to um, a lot of young people and I'm dying to find out just a little bit of an insight into the different problems that kids have had and how they might relate to their role modelling and father experiences. Um, so super chuffed. Welcome to the studio, Chris. You're on. All right, I'm on. Sorry. <laughs> Let's go. I rabbit on so much you could do- easily doze off. No, no, I just thought it was preamble intro I'm not supposed to be in and then, yeah. That's all very surprised. It's not like we had a 40-minute production meeting no, drinking no, it's too much coffee. Hidden in the background. Yeah. Oh, Secret well, work ends a show business. So first of all, mm-hmm. first of all, I'm gonna to wanna to do a just a, need to do a little bit of housekeeping. Because as the audience would have noticed, Dan hasn't spoken yet. Mm. That's because he's in Broome and he's in Broome for a while. And so I've got to freestyle it without him, which has left me in a bit of a all right, so I can have a good chat and freestyle whatever comes into my head, but I'm so used to Dan being this little coming up with the clever questions, I suppose, sort of, you know, big words like role modelling and things like that. So I thought I'll make some notes last night and then, of course, my own. um, Sometimes you've got to put aside fathering for a bit to do some um, being – what would you call it? Being a being a child. So I had to do some sunning and go and look after my parents. My mum went to hospital and she's okay and all that. So I didn't write any notes. So it's freestyle day and we're just hoping to God Dan rings in with some intelligent questions and topics at some stage during this. I've got the phone turned on and it's just potluck for us really. Um, if he doesn't, well, maybe I'll come up with something pretty soon. So Chris... Mm-hmm. Father of two. Yep. But you're a young fellow. Uh, 35, just gone 35. Yeah, so in the yeah. in the modern world, I, I suppose that would be considered maybe in my parents' generation a, a sort of a, a normal 
sort of live your life first kind of age to have babies. Yeah, but also maybe a touch old as well, you know, like 30. So what was it? 31 basically when he popped. So mm. it's, yeah, 30. My olds were 30. Mm. So I thought that was a roughly, you know, good age or whatever. T- to me, it's ideal. Mm. <clears throat> it, it feels like now that I know what it's like to be an old one. Yeah. It, it, you know what's not ideal because you can actually feel it in your muscles and bones, yeah. right? And your fear of mortality and all that sort of thing. But, but I can't imagine the other way around. I can't imagine having what, a kid. What, being young? I can't imagine having a kid at 22 yeah. and, not, and personally not being able to develop, you know, the, the, I know the, the endangerment lifestyle, you know, like to develop through all the experiences that you have in your 20s. Yeah, but I think it's like flip side. Early 30s. You hear those ones and their kids are grown up by the time they're 40 and they're off. They're loose cannons, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I think you all do it in different times and it's like, yeah, who knows? Yeah, you, get, mean, you get pros and cons, don't you, from each, yeah. each side. And and I think it's it's just a different, like conservative people, mm. they go, oh, those people, they must, they're going to get to 50 and their kids are going to be 18 and they're going to... Um, have a meltdown, a midlife crisis, but that's not that's not really to do with the kids. They were probably going to be boring ass conservative, you know, fucks doing nothing till they're fifty anyway. Well, most do, do I man. think. Like you know what I mean. Like I think we're like, and I'm talking you and I. For those of you who don't know, I know Derek on a personal level. That sounds sus, doesn't it? We're just friends. Yeah, <laughs> but because of hobbies, intimate and I think, is the, is the yeah. Word that's you're right. Not we have for. we have we have have not been intimate <laughs> yet, but um, I think being into something different, you get more experience. I look at a lot of people mm. where they just they do nothing, and it's like you talk to guys who are like my age, and it's like what do you get up to on the weekend and that, and it's nothing, and they go, oh, you know, like, and this is I know it's a fatherhood thing, this podcast. So, to bring that in, it's like, they're like, oh, you know what it's like? You have a missus and your kids and it's yeah, yeah. like whatever. And then they age and all that sort of stuff. And then you see the guys who are like 50, still yeah. young at heart. Yeah, yeah. And you can have kids and stuff. It's not like you give up on life. And I think that's the thing. It's like there's a comfort in doing nothing for some people. Yeah. Where they just want to sit and do nothing. Yeah. Whereas the flip side is I don't think kids stop that as well. You know, you kind of don't have to wait in some ways you yeah. know, till your kids are grown up to be able to do your life. Definitely. There's that danger of projecting how you feel and how you, you know, how you live your life onto everyone else and go, oh, my, imagine that. People say to me, and this is going to be controversial, but I've thought about it during the week. People say to me, oh, how do you live like that? Like fairly messy. Mm. Studio's quite nice. Mm. But but um, apart from my, you know, it's Really, eighty dollar air freshener. Yeah, that Chris turned his nose up at. <laughs> there you go. You try, <laughs> but 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 you know what I mean. Like a lot of people I know would go into our house and go, "Oh, how could you live like this?" You know, that's that's gross. But then have their dog lie on their bed. Mm. Now, I don't say it out loud. I would never say it publicly. But I find that revol- revolting. Yeah, but you're not a dog person, so that's why it does. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I, some people are uh, minimalist. Mm. Well, I'm a maximalist, and mm. I want to, yeah, I want to fight for the rights of maximalists. Have crap everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck, minimalism can get fucked. Yeah. So, so two kids did. Obviously, they didn't come by surprise. You've, nah. you've sort of. Oh yeah, first one. 
Um, was, I mean, not like a. I've met a chick at a bar and hey, surprise! It was your wife. Yeah, it's my missus. Yeah, yeah we've been married a couple of years before he came along. We've been together since we were like eighteen. Mm. You know, so it wasn't like a surprise. Yeah. In 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 regard that we do kids and all that sort of stuff, it was kind of we're both into it, but. I mean, you're never ready, and it was like, we should do this first, we should buy a house first, we're not set up. Yeah. So, like, yeah, when we first found out, like, I was, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of roll with anything. Um, so I wasn't too stressed, but yeah, like, when my wife, so she's like, oh, I got something to tell you, and she's like, in tears on the couch. Oh. I'm like, it's going to be sweet, you know? And then now, you know, it, she's that kind of person. She's like methodical and likes to plan it and, Whereas I'm kind of like roll with whatever happens. So mm. she needed to get her head around it first was the idea, but yeah, yeah. it happened and it's good because otherwise it would have been, there's never a right time and then suddenly we get older and there's more risks or whatever. And so they're good, they're healthy, all yeah. that sort of stuff. So it worked out for well. I and do. now she's, yeah, like it's not like, yeah. So I'll save that one though when we're having an argument and he's getting all chirpy. I hate you, Dad. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're an accident. And your mum didn't even <laughs> wasn't even ready. Your mum was in tears. <laughs> I don't, I'll just save that psychological warfare for later. Oh well, that's that's how it is. Yeah, but no, it was yeah yeah. Now now we're done, and like she's a great mum and all that sort of stuff. So what do you like, mean you're done? No, no, um, it, it's happened. They've oh, been okay. born, <laughs> settled down. Derek has an ongoing thing because I've done two. And I haven't had my tubes tied. He reckons we're in for three. Smash those nuts. Haven't, now. Done, <laughs> haven't done. We haven't, uh, yeah, knocked it on the head at two and said that's it. But then by the same token, we're both pretty happy and like, let's not push it. Because everyone, you know, it's like that whole, you have one and you whinge about being tired or whatever. And then you have two and you're like, what was I whinging about? I'd have one any day of the week. And then all the three people, you guys have mentioned it before. That's next level again. You know, in a world where we're all demanding control, we want to know what's happening in our minds and mm. our souls and, and we really need to know everything and control everything that's happening through yoga or meditation or whatever we do. But yet, surely if you are obsessed with with that, you know, being in control of your own mind and all that sort of thing and being the best you can, it must be a bit frustrating for those dudes when things can happen that, that take over your how you feel and your mind. You know what I mean? Like I, I look at parenting, and that's but that's when you go, oh, oh right, okay. Now my hum, my human nature is making me like this. It's making me love this little purple slimy thing that just came out of my wife, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, I wonder if control freaks go, oh, I don't like being told by my own nature and my body to love this thing and and you know accept, you know. Like if you say, oh, you can't imagine having three, right? You got two, everything's cool. You have another one. You'd be going, oh god, imagine if we didn't have um, Harriet yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Sorry about the name. No, that's all right. Um, yeah, like, all right, I like, got what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we're not. You're in the hands of the. Yeah, I'm the same. Like destiny. the reality is, if I was worried about it, we would have done something. Like whereas, if a third happens, I'm still going to be like, yeah, sweet, it's all good. Yeah, you roll with it. And like that's, that's the funny thing, isn't it? Like you. You don't just roll with it. You can't even imagine life without it. It becomes your whole thing instantly. It's like this, your brain just goes, right. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, I don't know. Like I feel sometimes I think I'm a bit cold or whatever with that stuff. Like you're way more soppy than me, you know. <laughs> and it's like it's not like I try to be or anything. It's like I'm trying to be a 
you know, tough or something and all that. But I don't know, like, I mean, I know I, I you know, this is sounding real bad, isn't it? Like, but no, I know I love them and all that sort of stuff. And if I go away, it's like a day or two. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see them again. You know, it's the same with my missus and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have those moments where I'm like, oh, God, imagine life without him. Or I, had a, I worked with this Sparky one time and he was really good because he said, oh, everyone pushes you, you know, like, oh, babies, it's amazing. It's the most beautiful time ever. And congratulations, your missus is pregnant, blah, blah, blah. He's like, man, the first year, he's like, I just held this thing and he's like, I was kind of like, it's a baby, it's mine, it's cool, but whatever. He's like, it gets good after about a year or so when they start walking and talking and you start to develop because yeah. the mum's got nine months to bond, you know, and there is all that internal stuff. Whereas for us, suddenly you do have this slimy thing and you're like, okay. like, And that was good to hear because you hear all these people, it's all Hollywood shit. It's the yes. same as people who get hung up on their wedding day. Yeah. Oh, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be this, the cake. It's like, stop watching fucking movies and just, you know, however you feel is however you feel. And if you are that kind of guy who gets, you know, I've known guys like that. They're like, totally changes their life and their outlook and all that sort of stuff. And it definitely does. Like, I feel like I've changed a lot. And then in some ways haven't changed at all as well, you know. It's like, but I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely can't, um, you know, you can't imagine your life without him in a way and you're looking forward to all that sort of stuff. But I kind of, it's one thing that sort of if you talk to anyone who plans not to have kids, there's a real weird stigma with people who don't have kids. And I'm yeah. like, that's their choice. That's a good thing. But some people, like I remember when we were, so a lot of our mates don't have kids, um, didn't want kids, mm. planned it to not have kids, all that stuff. Mm. And um, when we were, when Amanda was pregnant, I remember one of their family friends was like, oh, how amazing is it? You know, it's so beautiful. And I bet all your friends are having kids the same time. We're like, no, nah, we've got some older friends. We've got friends who don't want them and all that. And they're like, what friends your age you don't want them? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, not going to have kids. I don't want kids. She's like, I don't know how they could be so selfish and started welling up. I'm like, are you serious? Like, yeah, I, I think that there's a, there's a, it's a serious issue. Mm. Or I think, and I see it and I, and you know, when you're guilty of it, you realise, you know, like, you know, I was a kid in the 70s and 80s. So mm. obviously some of the things I said and did uh, have long been not allowed anymore in many different ways. But that's one that I think that a lot of sensible, mature, caring, loving people mm. will, it'll come out and they'll go, oh, yeah. I feel guilty about doing that. And that's doing that thing. Like, when are you going to have, when yeah. are you like pressuring people who don't want to have kids? You don't even know whether they can't mm. and they say they can't and they say they can't. They're, they can't and they say they don't want them. Yeah. They don't want them and they say they can't mm. or they don't want them and they say they don't want them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't even know and you're still going in going, everything you, dis you, you assume, everyone assumes they've made, they don't want them and they're saying they don't want it. It was like, yeah. come on, leave these people alone. It, it really, it's starting to rile me up. And yeah. I know I'm very guilty of it because when you have a baby, you get all excited and you go, oh, you're next and rah, rah, rah. And, and, and so it's when your peers are sort of in their 20s and people start doing that, it's mm. like, who fucking cares if you're not going to mm. or you can't, you can't yet. But then as the decades go on, it gets more and more intense until – until the the woman's about forty two and people start 
being very, very um, un, not unkind, but but careless with their words and stuff it, like yeah. that. Yeah, I know what you mean. We didn't. I didn't really get that with our group because we're like mixed ages and mm. like you know. Um, we didn't have, there was like no pressures and even the ones our age, like I know, I've got mates the same age who don't want kids, I know that. And yep. I, I was like, just, I was so confused. I'm like, that's not selfish at all. Like if you no. want to play, let's write down on paper, you know, A, if you want to be someone who cares about the environment, well, having kids is not a good thing. Like yeah, no. fucking just relax, yeah, you shouldn't yeah. be having people. Well, it's more selfish to have some that's just because I mean. you should. And it's like you're going to bring a person into this world who needs to function and needs to contribute and all that. If you're going to bring him in purely because you want a little thing to cuddle and hold on the couch, you're nuts. Like, mm, mm. that's selfish as – like, what are you doing? This is like you, the most responsible thing you've got to do is look after that person. Mm. Get a fucking puppy if you want something to cuddle. Like, but the, the woman that teared up, mm. you know, sometimes if sometimes people that didn't have kids or can't have kids, they can be also – within the world of people who don't have kids mm. – there can be triggers within that, like so. So if you've got a someone who can't have kids, they really would be triggered, or you know, at least upset hearing someone go, "I don't want them," you know, yeah. like that would be upsetting. Is but no, no, but she not had deliberately kids, upset. She had kids and she everything. Had, oh, it was just purely, um, and it goes back to what we sort of said at the start. It's those people who have. I think it's all about like I think you can live a fantastic life and not have kids. Yeah. And anyone goes, you know, whenever I get those comments, someone's like, "Oh, could you? How much has life changed? Could you imagine life without them?" I'm like, "Yeah, I can. I was having a ball. Like I had a great life. I still have a great life. Kids are great, but mm. you know, I think that's that sad person who does nothing. They're normal. They're that suburban, boring as fuck. And then they have kids, and it's something to talk about. It's something to do. It's something. It's an outlet where you 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 get friends and all this because they got friends. Yeah. It's like, I think it's for people who didn't have much are the ones who go, oh, whereas if you've got a healthy life and you're doing stuff, kids yeah. is another part of it, but you can have a great, fantastic, healthy life without kids and enjoy yourself. And it's not like your life's meaningless. Like, yeah. I just think it's crazy if someone goes, oh, life's meaningless without kids. It's like, well, maybe yours It's a bit like was. any relationship, you know, people that, people that go into a relationship with someone who don't have any other hobbies and they're just, mm. they're just biding their time until they find someone and then it's just that's everything and that yeah. sort of self-destructive thing. It's yeah. too much there's too much emphasis on it. There's too much um distraughtness when the other person wants some time away, you know? Yeah. So you think that maybe the kids that are there just as a not not just as a hobby. Obviously they're still gonna be affected by all those hormones and everything that make us not yeah. re not run away from them most of the time. But it's what life, it's what society tells you to do. Yeah. And that's why they do it. You know, it's like those guys you talk to, like, you know, you'd be, a, I'd be working and there'd be some guy going, oh, I love daylight savings because you can work back late, make more cash, and then you don't have to go home and see the missus and kids. And I'm like, are you serious? You want to, like, yeah. but, and they're like, oh, you know what it's like. My missus wanted kids. It's like, hang on, like. That's not a healthy relationship. You're like, oh, yeah, we may as well have some kids because all my mates are. And, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, we're like that. And that's how – I mean, that's how it was all all down through the ages. Yeah, keep up with you the know? Joneses. We need to get a bigger house. We need yeah. a new car, blah, blah, blah. And then Australia is one of the most debt-ridden countries because people are doing what other people do. It's like – think of like, and that's why yeah. I respect anyone. Like, And our mates all sort of march the beat of a different drum and that's where they're like, no, I don't want kids because you've got that little – in a voice you actually listen to. Mm. And if they wanted kids and could have them, they'd have them because mm. 
they're actually pretty switched on and they're not doing what all the pressure of their friendship group or society mm. or work colleagues or whatever is sort of saying, oh, come on, you're of that age. Yeah. You should be. Like yeah. if anyone's and, telling you how to live your life, they're not, you know, yeah. and not on, healthy. And on that one, I, I think one of the one of the cruelest things I, I think I've heard anyone say in that to, to someone who do, who isn't going to have kids, mm. clearly, is to go, oh, and old people say this, I've heard them say it, is you're going to get to oh, you're going to get to sixty and and cry yourself to sleep every night. Yeah, it's like what a cunting thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no doubt about it. it yeah, that is just like that's like saying you're, you know, you're going to get cancer or something like that. That's a, it's just a horrible thing to say. Yeah, and look, uh, I mean, you know, I guess there's like you said, you never know their experience. Maybe they couldn't have kids or. I mean, I guess not so much for the older generations, but you've got a lot of women now focus on career or whatever. Yep. And that they talk about all the older mums being more of a thing because you're career driven and it's really the 20s and 30s yeah, yeah. of that important time. Yep. You know, they're, they're, you hear and you meet like older women who started trying late because they focused on their career and it's hard and all that sort of stuff. But I still think it comes back to that inner voice of what you want to do. Like, mm. And the further you are in your career, surely it could backfire. Because if you your career is going along, let's say your missus and my missus, for instance, mm. you know, going along nicely, you're young, it's pretty normal. Quite a lot of people have kids, mm. and then you have you leave and everything. You you drib, trick, dribble back in. If you're already a fucking CEO or senior management or you know high up at the age of you know forty or whatever, yeah, it's gonna be a lot harder to go right because the the company and you you're too indispensable pretty yeah. much. You yeah. Know? Um. Yeah, that's amazing. So, two boys happy. Yeah, yeah, all good. everything's grand, and you've got and you've made that move. Uh, so you grew up in the suburbs. Yeah, yeah, some classic suburbs. Two boys. Yeah, me two and my uh, younger brother. Yep. I'm the oldest, two years older. Mm. Um, yeah, grew up in the suburbs. Mm. You know all that sort of stuff. And now you're bringing up two boys in the suburbs. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, we've like, gone a bit more bush. Yeah, yeah, we've gone. So we're up in the hills. Grew up. Um, like the southeast suburbs, yep. moved up to the hills, so not even far. Um, yeah, it's weird because basically growing up in the suburbs, like I'm not – so, yeah, I mean, I guess no one knows what I'm talking about. So when we're talking about our friends being sort of a little bit out of the norm or whatever, got into punk and all that sort of stuff when I was a pup yep. and it ruined me for life in a good way. But, yeah. <laughs> so I was like growing up in the suburbs, didn't dress like anyone else, didn't – you know that still don't, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of funny because you kind of you know rebel or whatever against society and whatever, and then I end up doing a house and kids and all that in the suburbs, I guess. It's bizarre. But I wanted to do that. Yeah. It wasn't like I was like I'm never having kids, and yeah. you know, like I like it, but I also think yeah, it's just funny because on paper you want to send, you'd love to send a note. I'd love to send a note to myself uh, with a little picture. Yeah, going, yeah. You you live in a two bedroom house in Preston. You've got a mortgage. You you've got two two little kids, mm. and these are the things you've said to them recently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tidy your room. Rah, rah, rah. That's it. No more television. Doing it. It's like oh yeah. I, mean, I don't know. You'd be like, shocked when you're in your twenties. Nah, I wouldn't but, have been surprised at all. Yeah. Even as a teenager, I don't know. Like I've in some ways I've always felt like I had an old head, and then. In other ways, I'm, you yeah. know, a dickhead as well. But I always thought you'd end up, like, I'm kind of, as much as I'm, you know, 
into different stuff. I'm still very traditional, I reckon. Like I'm always, like I was down to get married, down to have kids, down yeah. to have a house. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be living in a, you know, what, a flat here on my own, you yeah. know, all that sort of stuff. So you didn't want to take the whole, that punk lifestyle to the very literal end. Yeah, I mean, I was never like that. Like, you know, there's the, I mean, there still are the Footscray punk houses. It's basically you get a house full of punks, they're all on the dole, mm. all that sort of stuff. And it's like, I'm never interested in that. It's like I'm happy to go work for a living and work hard and do all yeah. that. So that's why, yeah, like the whole, yeah, you know, don't want to do the, um, like it's just stereotypical shit. Half of them do that stuff, go and live in a house or squat on the couch or because it's punk and yeah. it's like. Do you think being a musician, like Chris is a drummer, you're a drummer, yeah? Yeah, that's a stretch. A great drummer. No, oh, what do you mean it's a stretch? stretch? What do you mean it's a stretch? Well, musician, I kind of. Oh you yeah, know, okay. I know you guys talk <laughs> Don't about. Don't take my jokes. No, out. it wasn't a drummer <laughs> joke, but I know you guys talk about artistic and this and that. Yeah, yeah. On this show, and I think, well, no, nah, I don't write any songs. Like, I'm a grunt worker. I, I play the drums, and if you need merch, I'll do it. And if you need to organize a gig, I'll do it. And I'm I'm like logistics, whereas there's other guys in the band that are more, you know, they'll sit down and write a song and all that sort of stuff. But by the same token, like, for me, yeah, like, that same music changed my life for a real positive, I think. Um, you guys talk about community and that. I've had that community. I can go around the world, and I have gone around the world, and you literally just hook up with people straight away, same mindset, all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, really lucky in that way. And I still love the music. So it's all, I guess, give back to your scene. You, you start a band. You know, some people start a fanzine as the person who always takes photos. Like, it is a great little community like that. And I think the, um, yeah, for me, it was like, yeah, I always wanted to do a band, love yeah. the music, wanted to do it. But I didn't have that. I don't think I really had an artistic thing driving to get out. It was more... I guess if you're playing music, it's it's in there. But I was never that guy going, "Oh, good, I've got pages and pages of lyrics. I've got pages and pages." Yeah. Oh, you know, do you reckon that's a genre, like one of the one of the benefits of the of the genre you're in? You know, like the the hard rock punk kind of stuff, where you're all going in when the only thing you can achieve is is the music, the best music you can create, and do some touring. The adoration of your the people in your who are fans of that type of group, yeah. type of music, was it that never really that thing of right? You know, if we you wouldn't, I can't imagine having a band meeting going. We can get onto you know MTV. And, nah, and that's know. the whole thing. I, th- I think you know. I mean, look, it's flawed argument. You can be in the some best ways. oi band or punk band. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they're basically. I mean, this is yeah. We're going down the rabbit hole, but. Basically, had the 77 punk thing, which was the Pistols and the Clash and all that. And they were quite popular. And then in the 80s, basically the second wave, they call it street punk or oi, which is what I'm into um, more. I still love all the other stuff. And it's still punk. But um, that, you know, that kind of went in the charts in a way anyway. So it's like, it's a flawed argument. But then it got tagged with, so oi is really big with skinhead, all that sort of stuff. Got tagged with racism, got tagged with gig violence, uh, okay. All that. So it basically became a bit of a pariah for the music industry. This is in England in the 80s. Okay. Um, and then it still, it didn't die. It kept going, still going like, yeah, I'm into oi, playing oi bands, stuff like that. And it's, yeah, you'd never sit down and go, oh, let's try and make it, guys. Even though it has been in Top of the Pops or whatever over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole point is like if someone, and you know, I mean, you never know. If someone came up and said, hey, I'll give you guys a million bucks, you'd be like, oh, 
maybe. Yeah, I'll take the million bucks. But, you know, but the whole idea is you don't really want to sell that. You're not interested in having someone tell you what to do. To be successful, like I feel that our band was successful in that because, like you said, we got to release records, yeah. um, you know, play gigs interstate, play gigs overseas, like, you know, and like you said, pet fans of that genre. I mean, not everyone likes us, that's, you know, but you get a lot of people that you respect their opinion going, yeah, you guys are a good yeah. band. And I've met heroes and I don't, like, that's the cool thing about the punk scene and all that. You kind of don't have idols and heroes, like, on a pedestal. They're just same as you. Yeah. But I've met people who are fans of what I do and I, like, their music changed my life and they're going, hey, I really like your, your stuff. Yeah, and what, what more could you want? You know, for me, that's yeah. successful. Yet yeah. When people talk to you, they're like, oh, how much money you made in your band? I'm like, oh, none. We pay for a rehearsal. We pay to record. I mean, the musicians have made millions, but yeah. I get a bottle of tequila every weekend. <laughs> no, nah, they're very, they're very diplomatic. All the the band, the songs are written by the band. There's none of that, you oh, know. Nice. Surname and surname are the two that wrote it. And but do you reckon doing that as a hobby? Like I, I grew yeah, that's up. What my is, father was in probably fifty bands over the years. He's, yeah, I think his last I heard he was busking with a trad jazz band into Grave Street la, last yeah. year, right? And uh, that was a surprise, hmm. you know, but he, he only ever did one paid gig ever. Mm. You know what I mean? Like apart from maybe some dodgy back party in the 50s or something, rock and roll band. But does that, that – I've got this theory that that might stop the, you know, the raising a family and settling down or doing youth work or plumbing or whatever else mm. you do that isn't music gets resented like you, you're seen as a failure if you're, if you're in pop music – and people kind of go, oh, you know, oh, well, you had to get a normal job, did you? Oh, kind yeah. Kind of thing, if you've got that drive. So the gift of just like in my old man was just jazz. He never considered yeah. ever making money out of it. It's just, I just want to keep playing in bands all the time forever. Yeah, well, it's like someone and into cars you, that's, or whatever. That's your joy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's a hobby and no one goes, oh, oh I feel sorry for you, mate. You didn't. You guys didn't make Formula One. It's like, dickhead, I don't want to be yeah. in Formula One. But you I got, like cars. pretty much got to the top of the – your genre oh, for us, yeah, in Australia like, anyway. Yeah, 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 and that's what I mean. For me, it's a nice it was, legacy. Yeah, that, and it, look, it was a cool thing. But and there's more stuff coming, by the way. Is it? Yeah, yeah. So we're all, yeah. Uh, basically, stopped for five years, and there was kids and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And yeah, then, yeah. so it's never like a hey, let's finish. Hmm. And then I still did other bands with other guys. Anyway, it's kind of like you can't, you know, if you you if you're not doing a band like for me, not doing a band. So I guess there is that you know, outlet or whatever yeah. where you're like, oh, I want to do a band, you know. So, yeah, no, we'll do something else again. But, And I think that's the, the cool thing too. And all the guys have had kids and stuff and they're not using it like a, oh, you know, I'm settled down now. I've got a house and kids and all that. It's like mm. i got a really good mate in Queensland and he was sort of like they had kids. They're older. They're about 10 years or so older. Um, he's an Irish guy and she's from Queensland. So he's moved over. Yeah. Um, they've had – and they've got three kids. So like some of the first people – like, um, yeah, like the, I'd sort of seen go, oh, wow, this is – so he still plays in bands. She goes to the gigs. Her parents are around, so they get babysitting through there. Obviously, yeah. his family all in Ireland. But I was like, yeah, they got it. Like, I mean, you a lot goes um, where you can't do stuff as much as you could. Mm. But I was like, cool, there's parents who still dress like, you know, weirdos and all that stuff, and they're just like, nah, this is me. This is what I do. I'll have kids. And they're great parents. I've got another mate who's um, like a punk guy, you know, tattoos on the side of his head, mohawk, all that sort of stuff. 
and all the childcare workers at his daughter's childcare would tell him that he's one of the most like present sort of fathers because he rocks up. How was her day? Yeah, How yeah. you going? Knows all the kids. Yeah. Whereas they're like, when we first saw you rocking up here, we we're like, oh, look at this scumbag. You know, yeah, he's going to yeah. be just some, Uh-oh. you know, because it's stereotypical shit, you know. They just look at you and go, oh, they'll be a piece of shit. And, you know, those mates of mine were like, he, you know, you know the Kmart photo thing yeah. where you go, or like, um, not Kmart, sorry, um, shopping centre photo. You know, they yeah, like, they booth. do them for Santa, but you can do the photo oh, booth with the background. Yeah, pixie photo. So they got this photo <laughs> yeah. where, so he's like, Skinhead guy, so he fully like suit, like not suits up, but he's like boots and braces, like button down yeah. shirt, the whole bit to go to a like suburban shopping center in Queensland. They got that like, you know, that gray cloud sort of background yeah, or something. Yeah, it's it's one of those. Yeah. And yeah, sitting there with his kids did a family portrait and I was just like, you know, I, I, I don't know. That sort of stuff makes me laugh because it's just like. No, like just didn't give a shit. It was like, nah, this is me. We're taking a family photo. I'm gonna wear what I think looks smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could just imagine that pixie photo in the middle, like going, "What the fuck is this?" Like, <laughs> and then also probably like the judgment and stuff, you know. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation, and there's a lot of missing information about uh, skinhead. Oh, yeah. culture and it's all history we haven't got time no, to no, about, I hate mentioning we'll talk about it that on the other it. show yeah. the Aussie vinyl show at some stage yeah. but but uh, yeah it was a youth culture in the late 60s in England putting it simply yeah and just right. never stopped and yeah. misunderstood all that but yeah. yeah as a hippie I do see it as a youth culture of youth who don't mind the thrill of frightening other people <laughs> with their but presence it's, and that's why it's tied in with that. punk it's like yeah. it's that yeah. you know you shock sort of, yeah shock and awe yeah yeah, but yeah, let's not go down that no, road no. At all any further. The, something, something interesting that I thought of when we when we were talking about the the music thing. I was thinking when you were talking about the being in the band and mm. and your mate who's in the band and everyone's involved and passing that on to your kids as a normal. So the benefits of of your boys seeing you pack up your drums and do you ever practice at home do you ever oh no not really no. i mean yeah we've got a drum kit set up i've got them a little kid one you know the yeah, little tiny ones yeah. they have a bash um they grow like my attitude is now it's like you don't get to pick your music yet yeah. i mean don't get me wrong we rock the wiggles and stuff like that yeah, but yeah. um basically i'm like this is my chance before you hit like yeah, yeah. eight or whatever yeah. and you listen to pop shit open <laughs> yeah so i'm like so currently I, we're doing all right so tom the oldest um, we put records on a lot. Like I'll get home and I'm like, we're not watching TV. We're going to listen to music, yeah, chuck yeah. records on. So what do you want to listen to? He likes the jam because the first album has the Batman cover on it. Yes. So because yes. he likes superheroes, he's like, do you have any superhero songs? I'm like, we've got Batman theme. So he likes the jam, which is good because then you get away with playing most of the album. Yeah. Um, the baby, he's one and a half, but anything boppy. So for Ramones, he loves. So if we play Ramones, he starts jumping around. And then... Tom, the oldest, because he loves superheroes so much, I was like trying to find music with superheroes. I said, oh, I've got Iron Man. So I went on Spotify and got um, Iron Man by Sabbath. So now he's a big Sabbath fan. Oh, so we can play Sabbath. Good work. Get home and play Sabbath, which it's, is. It's amazing, isn't it? They just need that little, some little link. Mm. I've heard my kids go, oh, I love this song. To a song, you go, the fuck? Yeah. How, how have you even heard it? Yeah. And they go, oh, it was in Shrek 3 or something. Yeah. And bam, and they instantly believe in it. Yeah. Tom got a my, – my Tom, he got – he got – he started enjoying the Beastie Boys because of the swearing. 
Yeah, right. right? So yeah, he loved yeah, it. Yeah. He's like, whoo You know, and I was like, well, I'm not going to not, you know, fair enough, I'll turn off the rap. Yeah. But I'm not turning off the Beastie Boys because <laughs> <Yeah>, yeah. <laughs> of swearing. And, of course, that leads into, so and this is a very interesting point across the across the whole board of parenting, basically tricking them into liking something or believing in something and then they do actually like it. He'll be yeah. a Beastie Boys fan for life, that kid. Yeah. And he'll forget that he it was just because of swearing at the beginning. But the thing is as well, I think there's going to be some, and I kind of would be worried if there isn't some sort of rebellion when they're like teenagers, you know. Like I grew up, like in high school I'd have guys who listen to Beatles and Stones and Zeppelin and go, yeah. oh, this is cool as it's 60s underground or whatever. You're like, they were some of the biggest bands, but I grew up on all that stuff. So for me, yeah. finding like punk and all that was like yeah. a bit of a, Oh, and I want to get away. That's dad's music, you know, yeah. whereas their dads were probably a bit more square and listening or whatever. Yeah. And then, so I kind of, I'll kind of look forward to it if the boys are like, you know, and it, I mean, look, it'll, they'll, they'll, the, the punk and all that scene is, can be pretty clicky and like, I'm, I'm more obscure than you. Yeah. So I kind of laugh because I think, you know, one day they'll be at a party and someone will be wearing a t shirt of some obscure band from back in the day and you know one of my boys will hate that stuff and he'll be into hip-hop or dance or something that's it and he'll be like oh yeah i know that band and this you know this punk kid who thinks they're real cool because they're so underground has got some kid going no nah, my dad listens to that shit like, yeah, yeah, yeah. i grew up on that stuff oh boring yeah so i can't but you know by the same token i think they'll probably come you come back to it a little bit as well like i don't mind listening to zeppelin and stuff because it reminds me of being a kid yeah dad would crank it on a Saturday, he'd clean the house. So mum um, cleaned motel rooms when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. So Saturday, dad would work Monday to Friday. Saturday, would he'd clean. So you'd wake up, particularly as you got older, you know, wanting to sleep in or whatever. Mm. Just like there'd be Guns and Roses or Zeppelin or something cranking out the yeah. stereo. Because he's like, no, nah, it's 10 o'clock. You can get up. Fuck you, I'm vacuuming. So it's <laughs> vacuuming and rock cranking on a Saturday. And now you kind of, yeah. at the time, you're like, you turn that off. I'm trying to sleep in. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You know? I, I love it. I love I, I love brainwashing. Mm. I, like, I like brainwashing with footy teams. Uh, I, like, I like a bit of brainwashing. But then I think it just triggers something in them. Even if you're going, I really want you to really like, uh, what was I trying to get the kids to like the other day? I really want them to like something like the Chemical Brothers. Mm. Like they both will listen to Daft Punk all day long. I don't even know where they got that from, right? And I've gone, maybe you'll like this. This is Moby. No, no, no. Yeah, why? What, what made you like that and not like that? But I think so like you start you learning yourself the differences rather than just assuming everything's the same genre. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you start noticing more. But I think it's reference point. Like movie. you said, the Beastie Boys things remind me. We started playing that now, which I'm not into hip-hop or anything, but we're playing that because on this movie Pets, there's no sleep till Brooklyn. There you go. And he was singing yeah. that, and I'm like, oh, do you want to play that song? So, But it's still better than some of the stuff. And it, what's great is the movies now are drawing yeah. great tunes. Well, we've got away with there's this pirate one that has a heap of – so obviously whoever created it, it's like an 80s person from the UK – and the soundtrack's like heaps of Scar yeah. and Two-Tone and like 80s stuff. So that oh, was wow. grouse because I listened to heaps of reggae and Scar yeah, and that yeah. as well. So I was able to go, oh, so we like crank the specials and all sorts of stuff. So yeah. that's been good actually. Oh, like And for the little one, again, the baby, anything boppy, like you get away Scar. Yeah. Kids love Scar. It's a good yeah, one. Yeah. For sure. You know. Do you make them do that running man? Oh, they do it themselves. Like Kids yeah, are zany, aren't they? They just go nuts. Just, <laughs> you don't know what dance moves they've got. It's, it's actually quite funny. Oh, wait till Fortnite. 
Oh yeah, I that know. was a weird phenomenon. Yeah, it might be gone by the time Tommy's of of Fortnite age. Yeah, yeah. But um, just suddenly, kids that refuse to ever dance suddenly Doing just that dance in front of anyone. And you can, and you can, and what's weird is like you know that like oh, do your piano song. You know, where you get guests around, and you become yeah. that parent that was your parent. <laughs> oh, play play the last song, Tom, and they go no, no, no. But you go do that crazy Fortnite dance, and they'll just do it straight away. <laughs> it's like. Because of the connection with something they love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, somehow it's got to be milk, doesn't it? Yeah. Hey, the reason why you're yeah, here, as we hit the 47-minute mark, oh. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, I The know. reason why you're here, also, there's another part of your life which I I guess I witnessed evolving. Mm. You were a plumber and a drummer. Yeah. And a wild man yeah. of rock, <laughs> right? Don't believe the hype. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, you you actually, which said to me one day, oh, yeah, I come into Collingwood. You were living in the Burbs, mm. drumming in punk bands, being a plumber and going to Scooter Doos and stuff like that. Yeah. And you said, yeah, yeah, I volunteer at a, at a soup kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I did that about five or six years or something, I think. Yeah. Um, so you didn't just- fit my stereotype of... Your t- type, yeah. Thank you, you know, it was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just think same thing, music and stuff. You had an onboard uh, social conscience, yeah. You know, like I think I think you can't listen to, you know, it's easy to criticize society, I guess, but it's like you know, you got. I think it, it w- what comes with that is social conscience. You're like, you yeah. know, there there's unfair shit going on in the world, and for some people, and I mean, look, you know. I think it's balance as well. It's not, you know, but it's basically, and what I mean by that is, you know, you don't want to be full bleeding hard as well. It's like, is I think there's balance in anywhere in the world. You think it might be destructive to go just full? Oh, I just, I don't know. I just think that um, it's like anything in life. There's got to be balance, like, yeah. you know, but I just think, well, I purely out of pot luck, you know, have great parents, had a great life, blah, blah, blah. And I know there's people who didn't get that same... Mm go Mm. and you know and what i mean by the bleeding heart thing is it's like i think people i think most people have a social conscience and stuff like that but i think it's easy to shut off because you know that people take the piss and that's human nature yeah yeah so there'd be people on that suit van that you know they're sweet and they're getting food yeah but my attitude was like i don't really give a fuck like because the people who really are on their ass and need it get it as well and i mean don't get me wrong if there's some like this is on smith street if there's someone out you know I mean, there weren't as many bars along it. It's kind of changed now. But, yeah, if some dickhead was pissed walking along going, oh, can I grab a sandwich? You know, and we'd be the first to go, no, mate, it's not for you. Yeah, yeah. But I just mean there's, you know, there's people in government housing, so a lot of the flats and stuff around that know how to work the system and all that, and that's the today tonight shit where it's like, oh, see, look at these dull bludgers. They could, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I've had a few mates come and do it because they do have that social conscience to go, look, not for me. They get too angry by people taking the piss. Mm. So, you know what I mean? It's like, but they still have that good social conscience. That's what I mean. There's, I think there's people who are full bleeding hearts um, and they're built that way and whatever. And then there's others. I think most people have it, but they kind of shut it off because they're like, well, they take the piss. Whereas my attitude was, well, people take the piss everywhere. It's, mm. you know, doesn't matter what you do. Someone will try and find the easy way out or to get something easier or whatever. So it didn't really bother me doing that. You know, yeah. I was like, 
Yeah. Did it come down through the generations or What's do you think that? were you just born without the I'm all right, Jack Gene? No, no, mum mum and dad um, are really good people in that way. Mum's religious, Catholic, quite strict. Not like, you know, you know, crucify the gays, you know, sort of shit. Like she's not some Yeah. But still really. I don't know if that was actually a thing. No, <laughs> it's not. I, I don't know what I was coming for there. But you, That was the Jesus. That was you the know, crucify the son of God. <laughs> but I didn't grow up with like that um, Westboro Baptist Church or whatever they okay, are sort yeah, of shit, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, So you being a, a wild punk boy wasn't a retaliation to your mum's Nah, she didn't push her stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. when you were a kid, you had to go to church as soon as you're old enough to not want to go. And like I said, dad on a Sunday, same thing, up in the morning, Normally cranking whatever music he didn't want to go wasn't religious. Yeah. Brought up Catholic and ditched it when he was like, as soon as he was old enough too. He's, yeah. He didn't want a bar of it because, but they're good people and he's still a good like his whole thing was he hated it because he said you could sit in church, and the priest might go, oh good on this family they always attend every week and my old man's like I know that guy and in business during the week he rips off everybody. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. what you turn up on a Sunday for an hour and you're a better person like. Yeah, yeah. He hated those flaws, but then he never pushed his stuff on. And it's not like he's against, like, they bought, fight over it. He just knows mum's into it. He's not. And that's how I've sort of grown up. Like, they've never yeah. really pushed me. Freedom of choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so it started off punk and all that sort of stuff. And it was like, get a leather jacket and want to spike your hair and all that. And mum and dad are like, <laughs> okay, I guess. Like, yeah. you know, talking them into getting you a pair He'll of Doc Martens. Uh-oh. Yeah, about but tats? they never went. Did you they know, have a word on the tattoos? Oh yeah, mum. So um, always, oh yeah, I got heavily tattooed, and mum. So I got my legs done, mm. and I thought, I oh, know, I'll sell them. I'm into traditional stuff. I got so my first two tattoos, I got them on the back of my calves were mum and dad. You know, sacred <laughs> genius. So get home, mum was filthy. She's like, well, you know, why the fuck you get my name on your leg? Didn't impress her at all. Oh, you know. Fail. <laughs> so then it was like, don't do your keep them on your legs. You could still wear pants. Got them on my upper arms. Don't go lower. You can wear T-shirts. Got it below T-shirt. Don't go past your elbow. You can wear a long sleeve. Don't do your forearms. Got my forearms done. She's like, don't do your hands and neck. Got my hands done. And now it's don't do your neck and face is her. Are you, where are you with that? Nah, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. I don't, don't now, have a... Because so, uh, the world's changed a bit with tattoos as well, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, there's that comedian. Who, so for me, it was kind of... I reckon I just came in at the end where you could get tattooed and you could look at someone who's had tattoos and kind of go, oh, do you go to that shop? And you could almost pick, yeah, you know, and they'd normally be um, like, you know, on the edge of society in a way. They'd be like a, a real trippy artist or something or they'd be a crim or they'd yeah. be into punk or they'd be into hardcore or a surfy or, you know what I mean? Like that was always the kind of people who got tattooed. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. just crim stuff. Um, but you could almost meet someone and if they predict, particularly if they had traditional tattoos or get talking to them and chances are they're into, you know, some sort of subcultural or something on the fringe stuff. And I came in at the tail end of that, whereas, you know, I knew it was gone when the, you know, the, you go to a local pub and the footy player, you know, jock guys like, oh, yeah, I'm, I've got sleeves. And you're like, yeah, yeah. it's gone because that All used to once. be chalk yeah, and yeah, cheese yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of shit with those. Oh, it was easy, and it was easy for me as a mouthy as a mouthy kind of binge drinking, 
you know, cheeky bastard yeah. who didn't get in fights and stuff. Well, that was because of lots of things, lots of algorithms going on in my head about what, how far to push different people. Yeah, the guy and, with neck tattoos you don't fuck it was with. A very, but, it, was yeah. a, it was very simple. You don't even look at. Yeah. <laughs> right? But there's that comedian did and that And now joke. they're like, it's kind of like goths. You kind yeah, of go, all right, I know I can room. give cheek to that guy because yeah. he's possibly, you know, insecure you know, or whatever, but then you go, and now now you actually got to check. I'm not, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not cheeky or yeah, yeah, or binge yeah. drinking, but but it's the fade factor. I bet you, this is my prediction. Mm. There's going to be tattoo fading clinics. Oh, the removals is going. No, nuts. not removal, fading, so that dudes that went full body uh, in the last three years. Oh, make it look like they've had yeah, them for years. Get, oh, I see what you mean. Go down that road. But, yeah, that comedian nailed it. I don't know who it was. I just remember seeing it where he's like, oh, years ago I used to see a guy with neck tattoos and cross the road, and then now you see one and go up to him and ask where the best frappuccino is in the area <laughs> or whatever, you know, chai latte, yeah. which is kind of true. I mean, by the same token, it's made it easier for me because, like, on the tools, no one really gives a shit what you look like. And, now you're you in know, education. So, yeah, having hand tattoos, though, probably it might have cost me a job or something, mm. maybe. So, you know, mm. that whole getting more common, it, you know, in other ways, it's like you can't whinge about it. But, yeah, the reason I haven't done – well, not the reason why I haven't done If I wanted to do it, I'd do it. But the whole neck tattoo thing for me, I'm like, I've still got in my head that old school, you've got to kind of back that up. But yeah, yeah. that's all gone. That's not just, anymore, no. Well, I, knew, no. I knew things were different when I went to a carpet warehouse in the northern suburbs yeah. showroom yeah. and the dude had a – Scorpion on his neck. Yeah. It was like a friendly young man. Yeah. And that's <laughs> what I mean. Times have he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in recovery from anything. Like, you, you know, in the old days, you'd go, oh, that's nice. The, yeah. He's letting his son work here <laughs> yeah. while he's on parole or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but good I, on you. So, so you, the do good stuff, mm. right? It, it took, ended up taking over. Nah, not really. I think it was a, yeah. So it's funny, the whole kid thing, because, you know, I kind of always wanted to have kids and it wasn't like a burning desire where I wanted to rush, but I, I, I like kids, I think, you know, so I sort of have them, but that sort of every kind of, it's weird, like in a lot of ways, a lot of the steps in life have been about knowing where I'm going to end up. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I've always had a kind of clear plan on what I'd do and what I wouldn't do, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so the, the volunteering and stuff was really good. I enjoyed it. I liked, you know, giving back or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was plumbing, um, and basically domestic world plumbing, you can stay on wages as long as you can, but basically the best way to earn a decent wage doing it is to run your own business. Okay. And then I know what it takes to run your own business. My old man's run his own business forever. Uncles are tradies, all that. It's just a lot of time. Didn't appeal to you. And having the hobbies and having yeah. all that, knowing I want kids one day, I'm like, it's a massive sacrifice in life where you basically don't have much time for else and it's just money. Like yeah. I'm not a big money guy in a lot of ways. So I was like, well, we've got no kids, no mortgage. I've got my long service leave I can take. Maybe I'll go have a crack at youth work and stuff and yeah. see what that's like just as a more of a career thing. And the best part about a trade is you never lose it, you know. So, yeah, went and did that. It was about a three or four years. So it wasn't a massive career in that and then – that led into where I'm at now, which is actually teaching plumbing at TAFE. So your window into your window into youth work was yep. wide open because of because of who you are, not necessarily a qualification or a desire. 
Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like you, you, you well, life skills, you relate it. All that, yeah, come yeah. into a lot of that. So you have to go. You got to get a qualification now. Yeah. That's that's the world. So I went and studied and was still on the tools and mm. you know did all that. Um, got a job at a homeless service, um, which was amazing. Like um, done a bit of re- did a bit of resi care and stuff as well. Um, which that system's pretty shit. I didn't like it as much. Whereas yeah. the homeless crisis accommodation for homeless, so that's you're out on the street. Um, you know, and, and it was a unit and it was a three month model where they get, teach young people to fundamentals, cooking, cleaning, looking after yourself, address drug issues, whatever, all that sort of stuff. Mm. And over a three month period, you're basically trying to exit them to stable long-term accommodation. And it was an amazing program. The people, the main workers and the ones who ran it and all that were amazing. So lucky enough to get my first gig there. Um, and I also did placement at another place that actually worked with the construction industry. It was like welfare services for construction industry. Um, and while I was working at the homeless service, the crisis um, service, they were basically saying, look, we're, we're, we'd like to offer you a job. We've got no jobs going. So I was on the casual roster doing a bit of plumbing, still doing that, yep. um, waiting for a job to come up because I really wanted to work there. Um, and then got a call off that other agent, or that other um, company saying, listen, we've had someone leave. Would you be interested in coming in and working with the construction industry, particularly apprentices and all that? Wow. Going into the TAFEs, they had funding to deliver suicide prevention talks, drug and alcohol talks, gambling, um, you know, all that sort of stuff in the TAFEs. Mm. And then that branched into going and doing talks on sites as well. So the, these guys, this company was um, part of the EBAs, which apply to the big commercial, you know, union sites in the city. Yep. Um, so I'd ended up, I worked there for about, I uh, think it was, yeah, two or so, three years. So going into TAFEs every day and doing about an hour and a half talk to apprentices on suicide and yep. things like that. And then going on site and doing the toolbox meetings in the morning, first thing um, for 15, 20 minutes, just a quick talk on mental health, suicide, and drug and alcohol. All, this is to all the kids? Uh, apprentice all, all groups. The, all the apprentices? Yeah, now we take a class ones. at a time. Yep, yep. Not class at a time. So anywhere from a dozen to maybe 16 or so in a class, and we'd make sure we hit every class. So if the yeah. tape were open to having us, we'd hit a department, whether it be plumbers, carpenters, what cabinet makers, whatever, all yeah. the construction trades talk to those groups and you get a lot of referrals out of that because a lot of um they're they're seen as a high risk cohort you know like yeah. younger predominantly male in the construction industry um stats go up uh, construction wise we've got one of the highest suicide rates out of any wow. um industry as far as normal jobs goes your first responders your ex-service things like that obviously traumatic yep. environments but yep. when you trickle down to kind of normal jobs really high rate um, in the construction industry. So going out and doing that, I started out youth work and doing a lot with the apprentices who were younger, but ended up doing a lot of work on site where you get all ages. So you'd present to the whole site. It could be a small site would be like 50 or 100, big site. I've done ones to like 1,200 workers, like big shed. Well, they will stand there. Yeah, yeah, in the the shed. Fuck. And what are you saying? Uh, Talking about mental health. Um, and we and I, and uh, the big thing that got me with the community services sector and seeing it from uh, the outside is mm. a lot of them, um, and it's probably controversial to say, but a lot of that sort of cohort want to impress you with their knowledge. 
Yeah, yeah. So you hear someone talk about depression and they'll get up in front of a group of regular people and start talking about the chemicals in the brain and this and that, and you just lose people. Yeah. Whereas we'd get up, you're talking to construction workers as well, um, which is pretty straight up um, sort of group that just want to hear it straight. And I'd be, and we'd be getting up and we'd be talking about things like anxiety, depression, but you didn't have to label it. Mm. You'd talk about symptoms of, signs of, yes. how it looks and going, right, let's talk about mental health. How many of you guys sit there in traffic and have mad road rage? Or you have a shit day at work and you're angry and you get in the car and you're angry because it's peak hour and then you get home and then the missus is in your ear and the kids are whinging, you're angry at them and then you have a beer to calm down and one beer becomes eight and then yep. you get up and do it again. Yep. And you start describing oh, things in life where, that. you know, it's yeah. and that's what people need to hear. They're going, because oh, I'd get so much referrals where they'd want to come in for counselling and stuff purely from talking about how life looks yeah. and they go on, holy shit, that, that's me. Yeah, like, so, so these talks yeah. are really just to let let people realise that it isn't, it isn't normal, it isn't, it's, it's everywhere. resolvable, yeah. it's everywhere and go, oh, yeah, I know, I know, you've had, I've had that experience where sometimes you just go, someone tells me their story mm. and you go, yeah, I, I kind of know that story. Yeah. A bit like that. Yeah, uh, that's great. So, you, so it, yeah, it's not a, it's not five hundred fucking construction workers who've gone to this thing because they're curious about how the mind, the human, yeah. how other people, and it's ego. It's work. people wanting to show you that they went to uni and they know how this shit works and blah blah blah. I'm like, they don't need to know that shit. And this is how you, this is how you, from from observing throughout the last few years, mm. how you how you kicked off in this industry because you. It's just purely relating. You go into these things with the goal, and that's to prevent these people from having a shit life. Yeah. You know, and that's the goal. Not to educate them. No. To 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 let them feel that, oh, well, there's that guy who gives a shit. He's talking on my terms. Yeah. He's talking on my levels. He's a fucking tradesman. Yeah. He was a tradesman or is a true yeah. what, what, how it works. No, nah, look, trade. we pretty much mention it every time. Me and yeah. one of the other guys who did it, we're like, look, we've come off the tools because it's relatable. And it's, mm. you know, a lot of women's services work with women. You have an, you know, Aboriginal services work with Aboriginals. Like you can call it what you want, say, oh, it should be, you can work with whoever. And it's like, but, you know, for the most part, a male clicks with a male more, and I'm talking construction world, and if yeah, they yeah. go, right, that guy's been in construction, knows what life's like, isn't beating around the bush, and it made so many guys who would have never walked in the door for counselling yeah. come up and say, hey, you know how you described all that shit? I'm, that's me at the moment, mm. you know? And, and, and that was the point. The whole point of the exercise was to open up the conversation because you know everyone's having dramas. Yeah. Like you can talk to anyone, and someone's got some sort of shit going yeah. on in life. It's just the way it is. Does that? Do you reckon that the experience during that period of time, the experience of um, seeing what you say and how it affects people, and learning to say th to say things on people's level, mm. does that does that give you a massive thing for you? Do you feel like you've got something in your toolkit? Your kids are little, oh, but it's yeah. coming. You know, they're going to be teenagers. They're going to be. 11-year-olds, they're going to be pains in the asses, right? Let's yeah. face it, genetically. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah I know, yeah. <laughs> you know it's coming, I'm right? in for it, yeah. Do you reckon that will give you a pretty good, something good in for In a way, kit? I've talked to people about it and it's, so I, one of the worst things was talking to, um, when I'd be dealing with um, 
or working with, dealing with, whatever, you know. To working with a kid who's having issues with maybe um, drugs yeah. and the parents are at their wits end, they don't mm. know what to do and you're kind of saying to the parents, look, there's not much you can do. Be yeah. there, support them. They know you love them. They know you're there, but you kind of got to let them, like lead a horse to water stuff. When they're ready to do something, yeah. to do change, and I just think, you know, but if it's me and my kid, I'd be exactly the same. So it's kind of hypocritical. And if you want to talk about drugs and stuff, it's like if they want to experience and experiment with them, well, I know that the safest way to do it is buy it uh, from someone you trust as best you can. Yeah, yeah. Right? The safest way, if like they want to try like drugs or whatever, the, probably the safest way to do it is they get it, do it at home. Yeah. You know, at, at home with their mates, with me knowing what's going on, and come get me if there's a drama. Now yeah. that's I can say that to you and go, well, look, you know, if you want to talk about safe, the safest way isn't waiting for them to turn eighteen, go to a nightclub in the city, have something from someone they don't know, yeah. and be in a loud environment that's dark. And if they fall and their friends aren't there to look out for yeah, them. Yeah. The safest way is with their friends, people they trust. But I'm like, I'm not going to say to my friends kid, aren't all just going to be boys as well. We're talking about safety. Oh, for anyone, for, you yeah, know, yeah, good. safety in nightclubs and stuff. Like that. Yeah, but, but but also there's the the you're talking about safety as far as ODing and poisoning and what's well, the, the chemical safety. What you work from is but there's long term addiction safety as well, yeah. which makes you kind of wonder. I once had a chat with this old German artist down in the bush somewhere yeah and it was really bizarre because his heart was breaking yeah and he had this ongoing repeated guilt in his head mm. because he'd had it because he would at some stage he said to his daughter uh, and he was all cocky because he was from the 60s and stuff like that and he said to his daughter look um don't be doing all these speed and all these chemical drugs and stuff like that and Acid, if you you know if you're gonna have to do drugs, then heroin is a pure drug. Yeah, right. And this is and and then 15 years later, he's like, I don't know what to do. I've given her overseas trips. I've promised her everything, and he was heart was broken because his daughter was a flat out you yeah. know veteran junkie, and he blamed himself for saying that. I was like, dude, it was coming. No, you know, like, and that's where – so we work from harm minimization in Australia, which is basically you're going to do it anyway. Here's the safe way to yeah, do it. So I'm yeah. talking about the safe way to do it. Yeah. What I didn't say was I'm not going to tell my kid that. Not a chance because <laughs> yeah, yeah. the difference with a parent, I think, I know that's – you know, if you talk to a drug and alcohol worker, that's the safe – like that is – like if they're going to do it anyway, yeah. that is way safer than Be a nightclub. Be alive tomorrow is the but goal. But by the same yeah. token, I've spent their entire life being the boundaries – yeah. You know, one of the biggest thing is, you know, they're bouncing off me what is acceptable and what's not. They're learning that. Yeah. And that's why I think you don't want them to see something as a green light purely because I go, well, if it's not my kid and I can think without that connection, I'll, you know, like I said, I'll say exactly like those parents, you know, it'd be really hard saying it, but I know that's basically. Yeah. I mean, look, there's support. So I don't, you know, I wasn't going into it. Obviously, it's not as, as simple as that, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. the simplified version. Whereas if I'm a parent and, you know, one of the boys is having struggling with addiction shit. I'm gonna be I'll be doing you know so you know what I mean? It's like I think your kids are different. I mm. think even if you know that shit, I'm still gonna be way more dad's a hard ass, you know, there's no way he's gonna give you the green light for that stuff yeah. because yeah. I'm still the boundaries, I'm still the rules. Let them hear about best practice from yeah. 
and that's what a lot of I've known a lot of workers. You can get someone do, else ask someone else to tell you. They kids leave about pamphlets around, and and yeah. their kids know where the services are and all that. But they're like, no, I get home. I'm not that. You know, I hang my hat up. I'm not that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm, could your, be a I'm danger. your parent. Yeah, going in as a safe practice. Yeah, could be a danger if you weren't. If you didn't, well, make who those knows? Differences. It could go both ways because yeah. then I've, you know, there's other workers I've known with older kids. You're running a crack den in your basement. <laughs> but yeah, but no, but not that. But their kids are really honest with them, and they yeah. get home from clubs going, "I used this last night. I'm all right." And 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 the parents are having the conversation because they're workers and they they. So it's hard. It's like I think it depends every um thing separate and kids. Yeah. But I just I reckon, like you said, genetic wise, it's like with like I. Like my mum was quite firm and all that sort of stuff with all that, and I think I needed it. Like, yeah, and yeah. I think my boys will be the same. It'll be, you know. I feel that as well. I don't. I don't feel that truth needs to be told. I I've been going through that rather than even contemplating that that notion that's coming of telling them when to do drugs or whether to not. Mm. It's also revealing what you've done. Yeah, you're in a good place because you're. Or, or, always been a good boy as far yeah. as that goes. But I really, I, you know, I talk to other dads who say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be honest with my kids and, you know, rah, rah, rah. And I, I don't feel that. I, I think they want boundaries. Yeah, yeah, for I sure. I think what you're doing is just you're you, – as soon as you say, yeah, look, every now and again I would do that and that, it just makes that circle instantly bigger. As soon as those words come out of your mouth, it just feels like – I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it just feels to me like that circle just becomes bigger and the edge of what's okay becomes occasionally doing this, trying that once, rah, rah, rah. I'd rather the circle, I'd rather they, if they need to cross that line, mm. I'd rather they cross that line to have a beer. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, yeah, oh, yeah. dad doesn't want me to have a beer. I had a beer. There you go. I've got that thrill of crossing dad's line. Yeah. You know, rather than the thrill of crossing that line of going, don't take heroin more than four times a week yeah, or you yeah, get yeah. addicted or whatever it is. Yeah. It, you know? It's so hard. I just think it's like anything with parenting, I guess you do the best you can. But the information's out there and I think yeah. if they've got good friends and if you raise them with like, I don't know, I kind of think, like I said to my parents, since having kids, I'm like a lot of the stuff you guys did I'll do because I felt that they've raised me well, and yeah. you know, people who know me yeah. might disagree, but the idea is right. Seems all right. I feel like <laughs> yeah, right. good, close enough, but I don't know. I just feel that, um, you know, like I've never been a peer pressure kind of person, like I've not given a shit. I can yeah. be in a room full of people going, Come, mate, try this, and I'm like comfortable enough in myself to go, No, nah, fuck off, which, yeah, yeah. which I think also ties in with that getting into subculture and something different. That I've been different since I was really young and mm. it's like a point of pride almost. Like I don't yeah, give yeah. a shit. I don't need to, yeah. you know, like, I mean, look, it's bullshit because there's still, I want acceptance from other peers in yeah, different yeah. ways. But like you said, drugs was never my thing, wasn't interested. So I'd never, and it was everywhere. Like I could easy, yeah. you know, done whatever I wanted. Like, and it's been offered and all that. But I was like, nah, mate, I'm right. Even as an adult, like that's obviously, the, the you know, people still sp- Pass a spliff around. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the other thing like with that. young people. I goes go, no, back no, no, to, no, thanks. I need a bit of control over yeah. this poor old withered brain of mine. <laughs> but it's education. You know, there's more information out there. Everyone's like, oh, the youth of today, the youth of today. And you can track that back to razor gangs in the 1800s. Oh, the, the yeah. youth of, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but young people, as far as stats and stuff go, are using less and all that. And everyone goes, oh, yeah, 
they're drinking less, but they're just using more drugs. But they're not. There's there's more focus on health. People know about diet. There's gyms. You know, yeah. we us growing up, there's like four gyms in Melbourne where all the meathead tough guys would work out, and that was it. Oh. Whereas suburban gym, you know, so things are changing, and there's more people my age, so like 30s, 35, 40, starting to take drugs up again because yeah. they party back in the day a bit, have kids, whatever, starting to hang out with mates again. Like Lambretta people. Making a big night a big <laughs> yeah. night, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, so, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's everyone's at it in a lot of ways, but. Mm. Yeah, it's like if you've got to worry about age groups, it's like young people are switched on and, and I don't I don't think they get much credit for that, but hopefully the education's there and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, like you don't know. It's just give them the, as much information as you can, but I'm still going to be the don't fuck with dad guy is what you want to go for, like what I want to yeah. go for. And people can disagree. I'm just doing my thing. But yeah. but you've got the toolkit behind you to know exactly what what's happening in the world and what makes – what yeah. makes kids do stuff. You must have had a huge exposure to kids with problems yeah. and get a rough sort of pattern in your head of, of their fatherhood roles and stuff like that. I don't, well, I don't I know think, if yeah. on, the, on site and everything, if they probably don't get a chance to really go into their how they were treated as kids and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Well, as soon as you do community service work, so when I was doing the homelessness stuff and that like that, there's of, often a – if someone's had a lot of experience with um, services, there's a history. Yeah, and you could read the histories on young people that were in care and all that stuff, which we'd have access to. And you know, it's not like you're digging for nuggets or anything and going, mm. oh, you know, it's not like you're trying to read a soap opera or something. But you, for your own, it's um, a job to inform yourself. Yeah, so you know, you'd have senior people saying, "Hey, look, this is triggers for them. This is their background." So you wouldn't be like reading every single thing. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely traumatic backgrounds for a lot of young people. Yeah. Um, parenting. You know, people go, oh, it's the most important job you ever had. And I kind of agree in some ways. When I first started youth work, um, I did placement with another thing that did youth outreach stuff. Um, and this guy I worked with, he was the same. He's kind of like, he's a trade. He'd come off the tools. He's pretty straight up. Mm. Um, and he just basically said, look, he goes, I'll be nice. And I'll say 95% of the kids we're going to work with have shit parents. or Not parents so much, but... Shit, upbringings, trauma, yeah. all that Shit sort of or stuff. None, yeah. or no parents. Yeah. And he said, "There's like, oh, he goes, I'll give it five percent of the kids who grow up in a great home, yeah. well supported, all that, nothing going on, and choose to go off the rails." He's like, realistically, it's more like ninety nine percent to one percent. Yeah. And it's like, you know, fuck, it's kind of true. Like, yeah. you know, when you meet, I've talked to people about, it, I'm like, you know, when you meet someone and they're a dick. Yes. You know, you're like, this guy's a fuckwit. Yeah. Yeah. But they've got a job and they've got a family maybe or they're, you know, whatever. They're functioning in the world. They're paying yeah. their tax. They're doing their thing. But they're a fuckwit. Yeah. You can still sort of give credit to them by going, well, you can function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's people out there in the world that haven't even been able to talk to function. So yeah. their parents might be fuckwits and they've raised a fuckwit and mm. that's what it is. Mm. But at least they can function in the world. Whereas some poor buggers in the world who don't even have that functioning part down pat yeah 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 you know like they don't even get to work circumstances and yeah and yeah. not work as in job but i mean function in the world is is hard for them because they've had none of that upbringing yeah. so i yeah. think even if you do a job where you raise a kid who's a bit of an asshole if you can raise your kid and they can function yeah your streets out of a lot of people who you know and it's not their fault and we're into generational stuff you know yeah. like it shits me all that oh they should just get a job it's like yeah absolutely a job 
And particularly for me, seeing trade, I mm. saw it as the best way out. You can like, you can come from jail, you can be an ex-addict or whatever and get on the tools, get do a trade. Yeah. No one gives a shit what you look like in a way yeah, yeah. as long as you do your job. I think it's a great way out. Hospitalities like that, chefs, yeah. kitchens. You know, there's a lot of ways out. And getting a job and structure and all that shit in your life is fantastic. Mm. But I've talked to people who have that attitude and I'm like, yeah, but why do you have a job? Probably because your parents had one and that's at what you see the world. But I'm like, we're in third generation housing commission sort of families where grandma and grandpa have a bong on the table and they wake up and they're on the dole and that's breakfast. And then their parents do that. And then the kids, so you see grandma and grandpa at it, mum and dad at it. Yep. You've got no one in there going, right, it's time to get up. We've got to go to work. We've got to go to school. We've got to do our thing. We've got to blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. You're like, your world is get some cash, you know, buy whatever, yeah. party, do whatever. And, you know, it's like getting a job. It's not even an example. It doesn't even enter their mind. And it's not them being lazy or whatever. It's like yeah. you just got – and, I mean, that's not everyone as well because I work with young people going, yeah, I want to do this. I want to get qualified. I want it so I can get out of here. I want to get – yeah. But there's a lot of families like that, which is just, that's the... Makes it hard for them. That's where we're at. You've got yeah. no example. So being an example for your kids, like, I mean, I know you guys talk about it and like Dan beats up on himself and all that, which mm. is, I think is healthy to look at what you're doing and try yeah. to be the best. But you guys say it, if you give a shit with well, your streets ahead. Yeah, yeah. But also it's like even just showing your kids how to function in the world. That's interesting. Because they can grow yeah. up and go, oh, dad's a dickhead. I don't like the way he did X. Yeah, yeah. But they, if they're competent enough to choose <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what they do and can yeah. function and can make choices and can back themselves and all that shit you're teaching them to go off into the world on their own, you, you've done a good job. Mm. Like mm. It's an interesting thought, isn't it, where where we can kind of go, like let's say you get a kid with, oh, mate, you might have some mild autism or, mm. or, or behavioural problems or whatever, or just a kid who's angry and or sad or frightened or whatever and you've all the focus is on that you know i guess in the same way as they say with depression get out and get some exercise that's not the cure but it certainly takes away a lot of the pain of it in the same kind of way yeah maybe this let's get down and do some general life lessons yeah you know some basic stuff well 100 percent. a lot of the um, time if you've got chaos in your the rest life will come naturally yeah. Structure's not even an option. Yeah, so yeah. even with people where there's chaos, there's comfort in chaos. Yeah, you yeah. know, if you're in that traumatic environment or whatever, yeah. chaos is familiar. And people look from the outside and go, holy shit, how could you be raised in that house? Yeah, yeah. But there's almost like a comfort in knowing that and chaos and all that. And even yeah. getting structure, you know, getting routine, get up on time. A lot of that was brought in at that homeless service because it's like we start building them up to then be able to be employable or to go into education. And yeah, yeah. Like you just, it's basic life skills that a lot of people don't get. So, you know, if you're not going, if your kids aren't going hungry and they're getting life skills and all that, they can choose to leave home when they're older mm. and go, I hate the way my parents raised me. I think they're dickheads. But the fact they can do that and then still function and go off on their own, yeah, yeah. you've given them the basics, you yeah. know, it's like, you know, I mean, I, you know, you don't want to raise them. You want to raise them as best you can. So yeah. Well, that's we could thing. do with less fuckwits in the world, but it, you know it is what it is. You know, <laughs> it's true. So before we before we finish, yeah, and it just doesn't feel like Dan's ever going to ring. Yeah. But before we finish, there was something we were chatting about before that you said you wanted to have a chat about. Yeah, yeah. So 
we we touched on it before talking about the going on site and doing those talks yeah. and sort of talking through it. And one of the big things you hear a lot is work-life balance, you know, and it's almost oh, yeah. like a point of pressure. People are like, oh, you've got to have work-life balance. And it's bullshit, like in a lot of ways, because a lot of people don't get to choose. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, that's oh. my job. That's the pressures. That's the hours. They told me that when I signed up. And in construction, I found that a lot where, you know, and then the flip side is family. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys... And it sort of ties into why a lot of them are having dramas and that. You've got males earning good money in construction. What do you got to whinge about in this world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That old chestnut. But a lot of them yeah. were having dramas with this work-life balance thing because they're doing massive hours on site, really common to do 56-hour weeks. Yeah. So four 10-hour days, two eight-hour days. Oh. So that's Saturday's eight-hour, Friday's eight-hour, the rest of four, right? So Sunday mm. off. And you hear stuff about RDOs, this or that sort of stuff. A lot of RDOs can get worked through, whatever. But the Sunday, really important day, right? Yeah, yeah. And for a lot of people who haven't worked physical, I'm not discrediting other jobs, but you are knackered. Like it's physical output the whole time, big yeah. hours, early mornings, all that stuff. So the big thing is this work-life balance, yeah? Which When do you get balance? You've got Sunday off and you've got a family. So for a lot of these guys, the family thing was really important. That's why they're getting up and hustling and making their money and doing yeah. what they're doing. So Sunday's a really important day. And a lot of guys, you know, you talk to older boys and I'd sort of say it to a lot of the crowd because you try and catch the ones my age and stuff to make the most of it. Yep, yep. And then the older guys would be agreeing with you, but with a remorse sort of thing. And it's all around that time off spending yeah. it with your family because yeah. i'd have guys who are like 50s or so kids are growing up and they're in tears going my kid played my daughter played netball for 10 years and i never saw a game yeah because it was on saturdays yeah and you never get that time back and they've paid off their house and they got the four-wheel drive utes real popular you know they got to kit it out you know hilux they've or done Ranger. what's expected in that sense and then what's what was expected comes with hindsight. Well, it's just it's a guilt thing. It's spewing themselves. They've yeah. chased the money. Yeah, yeah. And then the Sunday, you know, the family relationship, a lot of divorce in construction and all that sort of stuff. A lot of it is that family fall apart because it's Sunday. So you've yeah, got yeah, one yeah. day off, you're knackered, and your family go, hey, let's go to the zoo. You know, all that young yeah. stuff yeah, yeah. when their kids are young. And you think... I got one day off. Yeah. I'm knackered. I don't really want to walk around the zoo all day. Yeah, yeah. And normally the partner and the kids would be like, "Yeah, cool. Like we get it. You want to rest." Yeah. So that's one weekend. Next weekend comes. It might be the beach or something. Hey, let's go to the beach. And you're thinking, oh, I don't want to sit on the beach all day. I got shit to do. Still got to mow the lawns and do home yeah, stuff. Yeah. So again, they don't ask. And I'd be saying to guys, how many time, how many weekends, how many Sundays you you saying no? You reckon before they stop asking? Mm. And it's vicious because they want to give you a rest because you're tired, so they're doing that for you. Yeah, yeah. And then you're busting your ass trying to earn money to provide for them. So you're both doing it for each other, mm. but you start to get this disconnect. And after about five weeks, they stop asking on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And then that goes on and not, that goes on and that goes on. That's when you have all these older boys talking about you know, their relationship with their partners or kids or whatever being strained because there's that distance. Yeah. Live in the same house, but you're up in the morning before they're out, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so many guys were doing that. And that's why I was saying, like, there's times where you got to 
like suck it up and you're tired and do that day. And you guys talk about it a bit where it's spend, just spending time. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the stuff you can't replace. You know, and all the older boys say all that. I'd still rather be paying off my house. I'd rather a shit ute than a flash one yeah. to have that connection and that time. And it's the same. You talk to anyone who's worked in palliative care. They have the top regrets, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's never I wish I worked more. Never I wish I made no. more money. Yeah, yeah. It's time. It's family and hobbies. Hobbies is a big one. There's a lot of guilt okay. around people. Like we said, fatherhood podcasts are fathers spending mm. time on themselves. Yes. And I get it a bit. Like we're the same. We're into the scooter thing. We go on a rally for four days and there's this, oh, wow. So your partner's not going. Your kids aren't going. You're like, nah. Oh, wow. You're lucky or something. Yeah, yeah. And you think, hang on. There's 365 days a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I do four nights away, that doesn't make you a bad father. Yeah. Yeah? And it's the same for four-wheel driving, camping, all that shit. If you want to go away on a weekend or a night out with the boys, all that stuff, a lot of guys let that slip because they're all social pressures. Yeah, yeah. To not do that. So the mates drift apart. The friendship groups drift apart. You know, and then suddenly it is just you and the kids and then you're not hanging out all the time. You've got no mates. You've got no one to talk to. That's that slippery slope yeah, we talk absolutely. about where risk goes up. But for men in particular, that's why men's sheds are booming for old boys. Yeah, They've yeah. all got sheds. They can all tinker at home, but it's that connection, you know. And for men making friends and having outlets and all that sort of stuff, all the research shows over 40, we're shit at making friends. Yeah. Some guy walks up to you in the pub, you're with all your mates going, oh, g'day, boys, you having a good night? You're like, yeah, mate, we're all right. Like, you don't go, yeah, oh, you on your own, come sit with us. You're yeah, like, exactly. Piss off, you weirdo. That, but hobbies, yeah. we can have. We can be into cars and I can walk home and go, oh, I love your car. Get chatting about that. There's nothing weird about that. Yeah, yeah. So that's why those hobbies, but so many guys let their hobbies go because – you know, but if that's your outlet and that's what de-stresses you and that's what gives you a break both from family and work and all that, yep. I'd be saying to guys, you got to put it in. The guys who like to go on bush for a weekend, I might do it one weekend a month and you make it the same weekend, you know, the third weekend of the month or whatever. Yeah. Suddenly you got routine back in it, the family plan around it. Yeah. You know it's happening. Standing orders. Because otherwise, I have you start a standing that, order every yeah. year. I get to go away for four days. That's it. I didn't last year, so I'm, and you, I tell you, you what, down. you can't double down. And don't, <laughs> they don't. They, they're not. Uh, they don't add up. Yeah. Um, and every second Wednesday as well, and yeah. it's been great because you don't have to argue about it every week. Well, you don't. Uh, want you, that don't you might not have to argue either. anyway. Yeah. But there's no. It's just. It's just how it is. Yeah. And and it's very important. And and you know what? There's another thing I've been thinking. Imagine. Someone asking a kid, "What's tell me about your dad?" Yeah, and you want them to say something. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, oh, my dad! I, I don't know. He goes to work in the morning. Yeah, he watches the footy on the weekend. Has a beer. Comes back. Yeah, that's it. It's like oh, okay, no, my dad. He he goes to Wild Dogs. What the fuck is Wild Dogs? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a scooter club that yeah. he goes to every second Wednesday. Yeah. Well, they think it's every Wednesday, but yeah. uh, let's keep that <laughs> just quietly. <laughs> but it is, and it works both ways. I'm saying, you know, wives and that need it as well. Partners need it. Like everyone needs yeah. their own space as well. And I think that yeah, yeah. gets pushed on people as well that yeah, yeah. what do you mean you're spending time away from your family? Yet if I tell you that I'm high up in business again, we'll go back to that executive shit, and I do 70 hours a week, yep. People go, oh, wow, you work a lot, but geez, you must be earning good coin. No one ever says, are you serious? You spend that much time away from your family. Yeah, yeah. But if you're a bloke who works all week and then says, yeah, I'll go camping on the weekend 
and I'm away for two days, people go, oh, wow, and, and your missus is cool with that? Or yeah, exactly. Shit like that. And you're like, hang yeah, yeah. on. You know, he might be present as gets home at night, gets home early, doesn't work OT because he wants to see the kids. And once a month he does something for himself or one one night a week he does something for himself, he's yeah. an asshole. It's like yeah. there's a lot of pressure that we, again, it comes back to that societal shit we were talking about earlier mm. on parents and fathers in particular where your friendship and your outlets are just gone. Yes. Oh, what do you do? You've got kids now. I can't do Thursday night Palmers. And you're like, yeah, you probably can't do every week. Yeah. Make it every second week. Make it once a month, but don't lose it. Because yeah. so many guys I'd work with, older guys, let all that shit slip. And then it's gone. Very hard to get back. Friends are gone. Yeah, yeah, hobbies yeah. are gone. And then why are they gone? You maybe start looking at your missus and kids and that resentment builds and yeah, yeah. I could have done this and I could have done that. And then everyone calls it a midlife crisis when they go buy a Harley or whatever. But it's trying to get back a bit of that, yeah. I need my thing yeah. sort of stuff, you know? Like I never saw that as unhealthy when guys are like, oh, I want to go buy a Harley. I'm like, good. Yeah, yeah. Get your mates to get them and then you can go riding together and... I just think any hobby, if you're into stamps, if you're into whatever, yeah, you yeah. don't let it slip because work-life balance, yeah, it, we can't get it with time. Yeah. I think today's world, it's too hard and it's the same, both partners work and all that. Yeah. I don't think you get it in time anymore where work-life balance back in the day was everything's shut on Saturday and Sunday, pub shuts at six. I'm going to see my kids every night. I'm going to be at home every weekend. Mm. The modern world, what we've got to do work-wise, the hours are bigger. The work-life balance doesn't happen in hours. It happens in quality. It's cruel. It's a bit like when, when the, 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 the birth, when you're in birthing classes and they're, and they're saying, oh, this is what's got to happen in the birth. Mm. You've got to get that baby straight onto the boob because it'll be a better person and all that sort of shit. And then they say, but most of you won't be able to do that because <laughs> yeah. you'll be in the hospital unconscious. It's like you're just putting guilt on. Yeah. And it's that same thing. If you if you start hassling guys who are – the way you announce those hours is like 10 hours here, 10 hours there, 8 hours there. It doesn't sound like you can go, hey, boss. Yeah. You know, you can't. No way. So telling someone work-life balance. So, yeah. so you guys were focusing on what's left. Make it After quality. that town. So and push what to do yourself. in your holidays. That's Don't it. sit around just That's watching it. TV in the holidays. But how many guys do you work with? kids out of with? school and fuck off or well, A something. bit different for you, like working on your own most of the I'm time. I'm full life balance. Like yeah. I, my work-life balance has gone the other way. I've, I've, I don't know whether I, I still undecided whether I've taken, whether I'm just making excuses mm. for being lazy or whether I have actually built my life because I just, it's, it's, um, it's I inadvertently the business takes a hit because my wife works with the yeah. council and the libraries, so therefore in school holidays I've got them. On Tuesdays I pick them up at three thirty and all this stuff, yeah. and that sort of put pushed me into a corner where I could either freak the fuck out about not being able to run a business mm. efficiently, or go, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to adapt my business and my lifestyle yeah. to just be. To see myself as a guy who has business, successful yeah. business, two successful businesses that I don't really put that much into, yeah. right? And as much kids as possible because yeah. I'm fucking you know limited how old you are. And I read something just because we're going to have to wind up in a yeah, sec, I but I did read something on uh, somebody's uh, social media. It was mm. one of those memes and, and memes. Oh, I don't fucking know what it's called, no. but but it said something about 
life, if you see it as a, a length thing, yeah. you're fucked because it can only be shorter than a certain amount. <laughs> it can't be really longer. Yeah. Right? So it's width, it's girth that counts. Yeah. Widen, you know, every day. Yeah. And since I read that, it's made me enhance that thing of going, yeah, you know, fuck this. Why is this? I don't say care that? if I've got no super. Oh, I do care, right? But you can I don't, catch I do it up. Care, but I, but I'm not gonna, I can't, I'm not gonna do anything about it. Yeah. It's gonna affect my kids' lives. There's only, there's only five years till Tommy's sixteen. Yeah, and then they don't want to hang then, out, and you got like, heaps more time. That's it. So, yeah. so, so it was like, fuck. Yeah. Let's just roll and have a good time as much as possible. And I think if you talk to a lot of people, that's what I was like. I'd always say to guys, like, how many of you guys walk in on a Monday? And this is where younger apprentices and stuff like that would have it over against old guys. You get in on a Monday, be like, what'd you get up to on the weekend? The list is massive. They're yeah, like, yeah. Friday night here, bang, 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 recovery session Sunday, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Older guys, they're like, what'd you do? Oh, watch the footy, had a couple of beers. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine, relax weekends or whatever. But if yeah. that's every weekend, yeah, yeah. all you're doing is working. And then I'd have guys saying, I feel like an ATM for my family because they've got nothing else. They just yeah, work, yeah. pay the bills. You know, so it's about getting in on a Monday morning and saying, I'm knackered because I had one day off and instead of relaxing, I did a heap of shit. Yeah. Because the kids will remember that you went to the zoo. They won't remember that you were tired. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's where it is. Sometimes you've got to push yourself. We've got to push ourselves to balance. Like you said, don't burn yourself out, but you've got to make the most of the time you're not working, yeah. Yeah. you know, because unfortunately we have to work a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. On a final note, yeah. I took a bunch of little girls to the zoo a couple of weeks ago for a birthday. Yeah. Fucking hell, I, I think it'd be easy to do 60 hours on construction, but <laughs> yeah. that was, it was hectic. Yeah, and that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, but if it was Clover and that, you know, what a memory. Oh, you're loving it. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. You know, yeah. but yeah, don't get me wrong. You get home some days, like you guys talk about the work starting, it's for sure. Some days you get in the house, you're like, oh, man, I just want to sit down and relax. You're like, you're on. Yeah. Second shift. Well, that's it. I mean, I, I, you know, sometimes I feel a bit guilty that I've made that joke, oh, I come to work on Mondays for a rest, mm. you know, and I and, – and, uh, uh, well, that just means I've been engaged for yeah. fucking 12 hours a day for the last two or three days. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah. it just means you are you are on. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're not just being annoyed with the sounds of their voices hassling their yeah. mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the dream. This has been awesome, Chris. No worries. Lucky Dan million. wasn't here, otherwise we would have gone for 14 hours. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. We missed the Dan window. Yeah, you picked the wrong guest if you wanted a oh, quick, this is short great. conversation. No, this is great. Do you, do you promise to come back and uh, sure. tell us? We didn't even really talk about my kids and dramas and check-ins and all that yeah. like you talk with everyone else. Yeah, we'll have that. So, yeah. I really wanted to go down that uh, the social work road. Yeah, not a social worker. Oh, Don't sorry. say that. They get the shits on. <laughs> Youth workers are lowly, social workers are uh, highly. There's a pecking order, mate. They don't like it. Okay. Yeah. It's good to know. I know you've corrected me probably about 20 times know, in the last few years. I know, just shit's there. So. <laughs> Who knows? But I thought I'd do it for the record. Thank you, mate. <laughs> I, I, I just suddenly thought, fuck, I haven't done the social worker thing yet. <laughs> shit's dirty. <laughs> Thanks a million, mate. And we will have you back to talk about the boys. No problems. Thank All you right. for having me.
That Awesome Podcast was recorded at Castaway Studios in Collingwood. Here, we provide affordable, accessible, professional podcasting production facilities to the full range of podcasters, all the way from basic studio hire right through to full season production packages. You can get us on castawaycollingwood at gmail.com or just look up Castaway Studios on all the social medias. Thank you.